This week, we're talking about chasing waves with Rachel Talabart, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. This is Nick Page, and thank you, as always, for tuning in this week. I'm excited for this week's episode because we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, and that is photographing big surf and waves. And we're doing it with an amazing photographer. Her name is Rachel Talabart. We'll put links in the show notes. Make sure that you check those out so you can see some of her work as we're talking to her about uh, photographing waves. She is an amazing photographer, somebody that I hadn't really heard of until not too long ago. And now I'm just a huge fan because her big wave photography is just so absolutely stunning. She has a very tasteful style of post-processing and she's been published in magazines, won all kinds of awards, and you need to go follow her. Her work is absolutely amazing. Before we jump in, I do want to remind you that yes, I do have workshops available. If you want to go with me to the beautiful island of Kauai, you can do so next January. There's still time to jump in on that workshop. It's my favorite workshop every year. Maybe it's the Mai Tais, maybe it's the flip-flops. I don't know, but it's a beautiful, amazing place to photograph seascapes. It is absolutely stunning. You can't beat 75 degrees in the middle of the winter. Okay, so with that, let's jump into this week's episode with Rachel Talabart, where we talk about chasing waves and wave photography. So I am so excited to have you on, Rachel. I am a lover of photographing waves and surf photography, and your work is super inspirational to me. So I'm excited that you agreed to come on. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you very much for asking me. I've been looking forward to it. And your wave, your waves are great as well. You know, I love your waves. <laughs> well, thank you. We were like we were talking um, earlier. I wish that we got those kind of conditions a little more often because they are so much fun to shoot. They're scary and intimidating to shoot. Oftentimes, it's just so enjoyable to shoot that kind of photography. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, we don't actually get those storms that often here either. Um, most of the work in that uh, Sirens portfolio of mine was really shot on two days, uh, yeah. one in 2016 and one in 2017. Um, there's a couple from other days, but, um, you know, for the really big waves, those really great shapes, you need a really big storm and we, we maybe get one a year. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much exactly how it is for me as well. Most of my, right. my best wave photos have come on the same day. There's so many different weather things have to line up for you to get those conditions. Like, obviously, you need a storm of some kind to really, you know, drum up those large waves. But oftentimes with those big storms comes like sideways rain and really flat, terrible light. And to get those good photos, it really takes um, several different conditions to line up. Oh, totally. Um, you've also got to have a good tide, nice big tide. You know, we have um, a really big range in our tides on the uh, south coast where I took those photos. You know, it's the spring tides, the really, really big tides that 
give you the conditions. And also the wind's got to be in the right direction. For my location, it's all about the waves hitting a harbour wall, bouncing back and knocking into other waves that are still incoming. And if the wind's in the wrong direction, they don't do that. Mm-hmm. So um, you've even, even got to wait for the, the right wind direction and that big tide. So getting all of those conditions together and, like you say, getting some light you know, storms, you quite often don't have any light. So getting light through the clouds as well is a, is a kind of magic set of conditions that only happens very rarely. Absolutely. And it's funny, you say the, that you need that, that kind of cliff wall for the waves to come in, hit, and then as the waves are going back out into the sea, it collides with another wave. And that's really when you get those magical shapes. And that's exactly where I've gotten my best photos as well as that same set of conditions. And you, you mentioned that the, the wind matters a lot. If the wind is in the wrong direction, it kind of you know makes it all choppy and just messes it all up. Another thing that I've found is that the interval between waves has to be just right as well. If they're stacked too close together, meaning you know you get one wave and then eight seconds later you get another wave, that a lot of times that's going to be too um, too close together for you get to get those waves colliding out away from that seawall. Yeah, so it really is, really is, uh, actually, it's crazy that we've managed to take any wave photos when you <laughs> no. put it that way. <laughs> no how, how did How did that happen? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, but what is it about wave photography that draws you in? Like, why, why do you enjoy photographing um, waves like that? Well, I think there's a whole host of reasons. Um, so I think probably people who've come across any of the interviews um, in the magazines will know some of this already, but... I grew up on the south coast, not far from where I made my sirens photos, and dad was a really keen yachtsman, so we would go sailing all the time, and in the summer, we used to go away for the whole summer, and I was a really, really bad sailor and got seasick all the time, so I had, yeah, it was horrible, Um, so I had to sit on deck because I couldn't go down below because that makes you feel worse. Anyone who's been seasick will know that. I couldn't read or do anything really except sit on deck and try and look at the horizon. But actually, I ended up looking at the sea and I spent ages and ages looking at the sea. And, you know, kids are pretty imaginative and I was no different. And I used to imagine shapes in the waves and Mm -hmm. things like that. So um, I guess it's no surprise then that as an adult, I'm really interested in the sea, although I prefer not to go in boats still. (laughs) 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 Um, Having chosen... The sea is my specialty, which it really is. I just actually can't imagine changing that. Uh, Never say never, but I can't imagine changing it because actually I was thinking about this in the car today. Those shoots where I photographed sirens, I mean, one was in February 2016 and one was in October last year. And I reckon I'm still on a high from them now. So where are we? We're nearly a year later from that second one. It is just the most exciting thing, you know? It really is. It's and, and you're standing there. I mean, you are getting drenched. You know, this, you know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Spray is coming, coming off that and soaking you. And it's cold. And sometimes it's so windy you can't really stand up. And you may be lying on the pebbles for the right point of view. And that's not awfully comfortable after a while. And you just forget all of that. And that first storm, Storm Imogen, where I got the uh, the first sort of batch of sirens. I was on that beach for six hours with hardly a break. I think I popped back to the car twice to try and clean my kit. You know, after the six hours, I got to the car and I suddenly realized how cold I was, how aching I was, how hungry I was, et cetera, et cetera. I won't spell it out. And I had no idea of that for that six hours. Never occurred to me. 
And I just love that about that sort of photography. You know, you're so completely immersed, literally, yes. in, in it. It's, well, you know, it is the, the biggest rush, I think. It is. And it's a big rush because, you know, there's definitely that element of danger. Anytime that you're able to get close enough to big waves and big surf where things are colliding and it's looking violent and awesome, uh, there's that element of you are exposed in some way because you have to get close enough enough to photograph it finding those those areas that are safe enough to be yet close enough to get a good photo that is really one of the hardest parts what what are you looking for when you're looking for a location where you can get shots like that well i want to be able to get as close as i can without risking my life because i've got a husband and two kids who kind of want me to stay alive um so <laughs> i also i mean if we sort of move, you know, have a health and safety warning here, I don't think it's it's awfully clever to, um, you know, one or two photographers, not you, I know, and not me, but one or two might boast about getting dangerously close to, yeah. to the waves or whatever their subject is, because it sounds cool, but it's not really, especially not if you're encouraging other people to do it. So I am... Um, I am very careful, but you have to be on, you have to be hyper alert. Yes. You know, don't turn your back on the sea because even though you might have spent ages watching for the highest point, even though you might have checked your tide times and know it's on a falling tide or whatever, you can still get a sneaker wave that will just totally break all the rules. And so actually what I've done is, and this is going to sound completely mad, this, I've trained myself to shoot with the other eye. So I'm right-handed. I'm right-everything, really. So I've always used my right eye to the eyepiece. Um, but if you think about the shape of a, um, an SLR or a DSLR, you've got that that dial on the left of the eyepiece that means that if you're using your right eye, even if you keep your left open, you can't really see anything with it. So I taught myself, which was harder than I expected, actually, to use my left eye to the eyepiece after a lifetime of using my right and now if you think of what's on the right of the eyepiece, there's a sort of dip. There is on mine anyway. Mm -hmm. And I can look over it with my right eye. So I shoot with the left, keep the right eye open and um, watch that way, those waves um, just to keep safe. Yeah, that's one of the biggest dangers is that when you're when the conditions are right and you're getting really excited about the photos you're getting and stuff is happening, you're looking through your camera and you're looking through your lens and you're not necessarily paying close attention as to what's happening right close to you. And yeah. like you said, it, it only takes one wave and oftentimes there's that one wave that just breaks all the rules. I know I've been shooting in a location where Unfortunately, there was a whole bunch of photographers right there with me because we had uh, the year before when I got all those great photos, people found out about it. And the next time there was a big storm, rather than it being me and two of my closest friends, it was me and 40 of my closest friends. And so <laughs> there's this huge line of photographers and a lot of them were getting too, way too close to these logs that had been pushed up by the surf. While we were still probably a solid 15, 20 feet away from those logs. And we'd been shooting there all morning. There was just this one wave that came and pushed, you know, just this huge wall of giant fallen trees back into the photographers and people almost died. It was oh, wow. almost the scene straight out of some kind of, you know, a YouTube video where, you know, 40 photographers die uh, photographing waves. It was really close to really bad things happening. We all thought we were being careful, but you can never be too careful because there's always that one wave that goes above and beyond literally of what you think it can do. Yeah, that's scary, those moments. Um, but they're, they're what keep us sensible, aren't they? Yep, 
Absolutely. Yeah. There is a reason that it's exciting to shoot it because shoot those kind of scenes because literally your heart rate is up and you're on high, high alert. But the thing that I love about it and the thing that makes those scenes so photogenic is that every single wave is different. And you, there's this feeling that you have no idea what's going to happen next. And that's... Oh, to- totally right. Couldn't agree more. And, and um, some of the shapes waves make are completely crazy. Yeah. You know, once you start really looking at them, the things you see in them are amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. But you know what? I was, thinking, I was thinking about this conversation earlier in the car, as I said. I've spent a lot of time driving today, so thinking a lot. You know, the sea, you know, when you're standing there and you're photographing and you've got the adrenaline and it's a bit like, I don't know, sports photography or something, you know, it's very exciting. But there's also something about the sea that I, for me is really special. And, you know, I was thinking as well about social media and about how these days, um, you know, we can't just be professional photographers. We've got to be really good at marketing and advertising, haven't we? And it does feel sometimes like we're constantly talking about ourselves. Here here I am doing it now, but really we're talking about the sea. You know, we're we're constantly advertising and we're on, you know, we're on Twitter. Here's my latest exhibition and so on. And sometimes it just, you know, you pause and you think, oh my goodness, everyone must be fed up with me. It's all about me and I'm fed up with it. But when you're with the sea, it's so not about you. It's about something really elemental and powerful that's mm-hmm. quite overwhelming. And it makes me feel really, really insignificant yes. and really unimportant. But actually, that's not a bad feeling, you know. It's actually a really, really good feeling. I feel kind of away from all of that crazy world where we're all clamoring for our little bit of attention. And it's, it's incredibly, uh, it's a relief, actually, to spend that time in the company of the sea when it really doesn't give a toss <laughs> about us. You know, it would quite happily kill us if it could, you know. Yep. And um, it's hard to put into words, but I think you know what I mean. Absolutely. There are three types of, I guess, what I would consider landscape photography that really put you in your place as a human. And I would say photographing seascapes and big surf, that's definitely one of them. It just makes you feel small and fragile and insignificant. Uh, another one is photographing nightscapes and staring up at the night sky and just feeling so incredibly small. And the other is photographing big storms, you know, big, nothing will make you feel smaller than a giant lightning bolt and a giant storm and, and feeling very, very small and insignificant. And I feel like Feeling that way occasionally, especially like you said in in today's uh, kind of self centered <laughs> lives that we're leading, feeling <laughs> feeling small and insignificant, I feel is such a healthy thing for a human. It makes you realize that it's not all about you. And there's a lot of people that I feel like could benefit from just a little bit of that kind of time. You know, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I think it makes us slightly less irritating human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, we've talked a little bit about staying safe around surf but we should probably more than just saying you know keep your eyes open what kind of tips for staying safe do you have as far as what kinds of things do people really need to do and what what do they need to focus on to stay safe around doing these kinds of photo shoots i think one of the really big things and this isn't just about staying safe because it also works um as advice about how to get killer shots is to really know your location you know find somewhere you can go back to over and over again Mm -hmm. because you'll start to understand how the sea interacts with that particular landscape when you have that knowledge you you are empowered you're empowered to make more interesting more informed photographs and you're also 
empowered to keep yourself safe. Actually, on, on the beach where I shoot my monster waves, people get taken by the sea there. There yeah. is quite a list of people who've been taken by the sea there. And if you look into the background, quite a lot of them weren't local, didn't know the beach, didn't know the sea there and how it will behave. So I think also, you know, just going back to somewhere over and over again, even if you're not there during a storm, you'll just start to sort of feel you understand a place. And that's kind of creative too. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you won't just reach for the standard shot that, you know, you've seen on social media because you know you can go back. You know you can experiment. You won't, you're not wasting time if you miss the big vista because you're experimenting. So if the safety isn't enough to convince you to get to know a place, it's creatively useful as well, in my opinion. Other bits of advice. Well, I think you should tell someone where you've gone. Yeah. I think that's quite important. And if you've got a buddy who'll go with you, that's all the better. Um, I've got a friend, another photographer called Jennifer Bunnett, and she and I shoot together quite a lot. And we were on both on the beach that day. She was doing her own photography, different style. And but we were both there and every now and then, you know, we'd rendezvous back at the car and check that everyone was okay and all was safe. So I think that's that's quite nice. Not everyone can find a buddy, of course, but um, it's certainly a nice thing to have if you can. And um, and just don't get too close, you yeah. know. A long lens, I, I most of mine were photographed at the long end of a 70 to 200 millimeter lens. So I'm not getting that close. And actually, um, you know, the compression, you know, we're, all we're talking to photographers here, right? Yeah. So if I say, you know, the compression you get, the you know, at 200 millimeters actually really helps creatively too, to, to make it feel as if, you, you, the viewer, are actually in the waves, even though I'm not. Um, you know, when I take them, I'm I'm safe. I bet you've got some good tips as well, because I've seen photos you've taken out near Cape Arago, and those are pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I wish I was better at being safe than I am. I have a whole lot of like do as I say, not as I do type tips because <laughs> I'm really terrible about just getting in a little bit too close. But definitely another tip to, to keep in mind is that any kind of loose anything on a beach becomes a missile when a wave comes in. Oh, so yeah. you really have to stay clear of things like fallen trees and fallen logs and driftwood and stuff like that. Because while the wave might not kill you, whatever is in the wave is going to be what kills you because it's either going to pin you down and roll over on top of you. And that, that sadly happens way too often. You know, you get kids playing on logs and then a wave comes in, rolls it over on top of the kid and nobody can free it because it's this giant waterlogged tree that weighs, you know, tons and tons. Or it's just like, you know, the stuff floating around in the waves and you'll, you know, get impaled. So there's all kinds of bad stuff. And usually the, it's the stuff in the water, not the water itself that'll kill you. That's really good advice, actually. I've got a photograph. Sorry, I interrupted you. I've got a photograph. Uh, which you know I've just kept for my own purposes from that first big storm of uh, a wave carrying a large plank of wood and it looks like a spear. Yeah, and it's pointing out from the wave. You know, any minute it's going to come flying onto the beach. So yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah, it doesn't take much imagination to imagine all the bad things straight out of a horror movie that could happen with that. No. <laughs> um, and another thing that. I don't think that I've ever done and I've I never even thought to do until I saw a friend of mine, Josh Snow, do this. If you do happen to be shooting next to a place where you could either 
get sucked into the waves or fall off a cliff. I've actually seen people tie themselves off to a nearby tree, you know, a growing tree, but tie themselves off that they way they can't either fall off the cliff or they can't get, you know, sucked out into the ocean. But I think, like you said, the, the best tip is just to make sure that you're shooting with somebody and that people know where you are because that's so important. Yeah. I can tell you shoot in the Pacific Northwest and you think there are going to be trees available. <laughs> yeah. There aren't any trees on my beach, that's for sure. <laughs> that's Otherwise, I, that would be quite nice if there was a tree, but there aren't any. Right. And another thing that, and this is kind of a going down a different rabbit hole, but another thing that makes me really enjoy this type of photography is the amount of creative decision making you have. Like if you have a static landscape, typically your settings are, are not going to affect that much. It's going to affect things like depth of field. But when you're photographing moving water, suddenly shutter speed becomes this magical creative decision and creative tool. And I think your photography really, really displays that because some of your wave photography has lots of intentional uh, water blur and water movement. But other parts of your wave photography is all about, you know, freezing the action and really maintaining the shapes that you're seeing in the water. Yeah, totally right. And actually, if I were to... Um do a Lightroom search by shutter speed, I would find that I pretty well never shoot anything in between thousandth of a second and one quarter of a second. So it's either a quarter of a second or slower, or it's a thousandth of a second or faster. Um, crazy, I know, but actually, I know you probably you probably would have a similar thing if you looked at your Lightroom because, you know, a thousandth, I'm, I'm freezing the action, trying to get every droplet, get that sculptural effect that that's essentially mm -hmm. the siren's portfolio. You know, they're all, my target is a thousandth of a second. Sometimes you have to compromise to get the shot, but that's the target. But for these, the sort of more um, painterly waves, a quarter of a second or slower is where I go. And I find it's rare that anything in between those two suits my my eye. And the interesting thing is that a, a lot of people, when they go to photograph moving water of any kind for the first time, the first thing they do is start reaching for their filters because they were told that when you're photographing moving water, you want to slow down that shutter speed. And one of my biggest tips that I always give before giving some kind of workshop where we're going to be photographing seascapes and stuff is that you figure out what shutter speed you want first and then you figure out how to get there because the the shutter speed like it has so much to do with the amount of energy and and the feeling of the photo you know your your siren portfolio that you have with all those fast shutter speeds it has such a kind of frantic energetic feeling to it and that's because of that fast shutter speed and really freezing the action and the the type of shots where you're doing, you know, the half second exposure where it's a little bit more dreamy, but there's still that movement. It has a completely different energy, a completely different feeling just through that shutter speed. So oh, absolutely right. One of the, the biggest, most important tips that I tell everybody is to figure out what kind of feeling you want to have first, what kind of feeling you're wanting to convey with the photo. You can use that to kind of dictate whether you're going fast with your shutter speed or intentionally introducing some movement into the water. Well, I completely agree. And that's, you know, that's taking control with, from a creative aspect. Um, so I run workshops too. And obviously people come on my workshops hoping to photograph the sea. And so we do. And that's exactly what we do. We get down on that beach and we talk about the, the look that we're seeking to achieve. And then we choose the right shutter speed for that. And then we make the adjustments we need to the other 
sides of the exposure triangle to get the shutter speed we need. The creative look that you want drives the shot rather than the settings. And uh, I think that's so important. And maybe it sounds obvious, but it's not actually. Mm -hmm. It's not obvious at all. I think particularly if you get people, just as you said at the start of this sort of bit of the discussion, you get people who are used to doing traditional landscape photography, you know, where you put the camera on the tripod and probably, you know, if you're not manual, you're an aperture priority. You know, the aperture is more important and it doesn't really matter what your shutter speed is. You know, it's quite a revelation for them then to come and do wave photography where it's the other way around. Yeah, it's almost more akin to sports photography or something like that uh, because your shutter speed becomes probably your most important setting anytime you're photographing water. Yeah, well, I actually did all my sirens in shutter priority because I didn't want to be faffing about worrying about the exposure because I'm having to react really fast to stuff. Um, So shutter priority and um, setting the ISO at the highest, I'll let my camera go because my camera's not good at high ISOs. I'm hoping, you know, I'll get the aperture I need. And fortunately, you know, I did. Uh, the light allowed me. I wanted something at least F8, preferably narrower. And I got it for most of the shots. So, yeah, shutter priority works. I'm curious, what camera are you shooting with and what camera did you shoot all of those images with? Every single one of them was shot with uh, my my workhorse camera, which is the Canon 5D SR. Oh, nice. Oh, it's a great camera. I absolutely love it. No, I'm not giving it up. <laughs> um, I haven't switched to, you know, the Canon 5D Mark IV came out afterwards and a lot of photographers switched to it. But for me, my prints can be really, really big. I've got 50 megapixels and the detail coming off that sensor is phenomenal. And because of the look of the sirens, you know, with all of that um, texture, all of that detail frozen, frankly, um, I mean, I'm not a, a gearhead kind of photographer, but I would have to say, I don't think I would have been able to do those sirens without that camera. Yeah, There are going to be a lot of people who use other camera brands now getting an hot under the collar. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that there are equivalents in the uh, portfolio, in the stable, let us say, of every brand. But as a Canon user, that's my camera of choice. And um, yeah, I'm not giving it up without a fight. Uh, But you cram 50 megapixels on a sensor, noise could be an issue. Mm -hmm. And so I don't don't like to shoot above ISO 400. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's tough to do in, in stormy conditions as well, because you're, you know, you're trying to keep your shutter speed up and that, that means that aperture wise, it's the camera is probably choosing a fairly wide open aperture in a lot of your shots. It's okay, actually. Um, I don't think there's anything wider than, uh, well, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anything wider than F8 in that portfolio. And many of them around the F11 plus mark, you know, that's because I got light. Mm -hmm. No, for every day where light happened, there are days when I've gone down there and I've stood on the beach in the rain and maybe the rain stopped, but the clouds didn't break or if they did, it broke broke for a second, you know, and I come back with, uh, with no keepers, but I don't mind. It's, you know, Hey, I spent the day by the sea. What's not to like? Exactly. There is nothing more like just therapeutic than watching waves. You don't even have to have a camera just standing on a beach, especially when the waves are doing something interesting, like a big swell day. Uh, There's just nothing more fun and more therapeutic than just standing there and watching waves hit a cliff. Totally agree. Totally agree. Hey, it's where we came from, right? Yeah. You know, um, it kind of brings me back to the idea. I know there's been many times where there's nothing more frustrating than trying to get a really fast shutter speed when 
you have gray, dark rain clouds overhead and, you know, you're pushing, at least in my situations, I've been pushing like ISO 3200, just try to get, trying to get a fast enough shutter speed to freeze something. Uh, it's really difficult in those stormy conditions. And that's what makes those conditions when you're getting those big waves, yet you're getting enough light to actually get the camera settings you need and the detail in the wave. Uh, it makes those days more special. Exactly right. Um, I suppose, I mean, I, I, I would never hunt an animal in my life, I'm afraid. It's not my scene. But I suppose this is as close to, uh, to hunting Absolutely. as you could get because, um, you know, it's, it's elusive. Your quarry is elusive and you put in hours and hours and hours and days and weeks of work, but then it happens and that's just the most amazing moment and you bag one. Yeah. So are you the type of person that, that uses a lot of rain protection on your camera gear or are you the type of person that lets your camera gear get wet and you occasionally towel it off maybe if it's lucky? Yeah, the second one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've thoroughly tested the weather sealing on my <laughs> camera and I can tell you now that it works. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, so I just recently switched from Canon to Sony and I, I definitely pushed the weather sealing of my Canon to the limit. And I'm worried the next time that, you know, we finally get these conditions to take my Sony out because, you know, everybody talks about how the weather sealing isn't as good. Well, at some point it will be tested and then it will be tested thoroughly with a combination of <laughs> rainwater and salt water, and there's nothing more corrosive for camera gear than salt water. It's awful stuff. I've not had any problems with my camera coping with salt water, um, but my, I do get through tripods quite fast. Yes. Yeah, the tri <laughs> tripods do not love salt water for sure. Um, they definitely don't. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, because it's something that, in my opinion, really stands out about your work, is your post-processing style. Absolutely love how subtle your editing is, yet you are so good about milking out the, the texture and the energy of a photo. Yeah, I mean, I, I do it all in Lightroom, and I have a 10-minute rule. If, it's, if it takes more than 10 minutes, it probably isn't worth worth it. I'm probably trying to save something that isn't worth saving. But you can do quite a lot in 10 minutes um, if you've been using Lightroom for a long time, which I have. Uh, but for me, what I want, and this isn't really because I'm a purist, I'm actually quite relaxed about, you know, other people who maybe manipulate their images more. If, you know, I still love the picture, often you don't, of course, they're awful afterwards, but sometimes <laughs> they're really, really good. And maybe we are, we, maybe we see really, really manipulated images all the time, but they're just so well done, we don't realize they're done. But I, I don't do that because I really hate being indoors. <laughs> I mean, you should see, actually, I was going to say you should see my studio, but I just looked at it and it's a mess. So it's a good, you shouldn't see my studio, <laughs> but uh, I've got a standing desk with a treadmill under it. I am not kidding because I don't like sitting down. I've got a bad back and anyway, I get grumpy if I spend too much time sitting and indoors. So I want to be creative in my happy place and my happy place is outdoors on the beach. So that kind of drives my approach to processing. I don't want to do too much. I call it the digital darkroom lightroom because what I'm doing is pretty well what you could do in the darkroom. I'm just adjusting contrast, tones. You know, I use the tone curve a lot just to bring out all the texture, but without making it all look weird and unnatural and crunchy. Yeah. You know, when you see things that have been sharpened and clarified 
and oh dear, dehazed <laughs> to heck. And they actually they actually look crunchy. Yeah. And you know water's not crunchy. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, some people love their love their dehaze slider, but I always find myself using the dehaze the other way, you know, negative dehaze where you're actually adding haze rather than adding the crunchiness that you're talking about i you're preaching to the choir sister I, I, yeah yeah I, know what I thought i might be i knew i was on safe ground there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and another thing that i love about your your post-processing style is that it's not heavy saturation based you know you're not taking the saturation slider and boosting it way up and i think the reason it works so well is because for a lot of your your photos especially the ones that we're talking about today it's it's more about the texture and the shapes rather than the colors and the tones and for that reason by desaturating your images a little bit you're putting more emphasis on those textures and on the on those shapes yeah, absolutely right. Um, oh dear, mo moment of self-aggrandizement coming up. But you, you may know that I um, this year I was lucky enough to win the title of Black and White Photographer of the Year from Black and White Photography Magazine. And what do they know about black I, and white, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do they know? Anyway, so obviously that I am, and if you look at my Instagram, and I know you have every other photograph, so it's, it's a checkerboard of of color, mostly blue, black and white, color, black and white, color, black and white, like that. So please, Instagram, don't change the grid to four across because it's going to look very boring on mine. <laughs> um, but at the, <laughs> um, so I am a, I am as much a black and white photographer as I am a color photographer, but I can't do just one. I can't limit myself to just one of those. So I think my approach to color photography, there are some exceptions, but most of it, it's quite desaturated, as you said, because yeah, exactly. As you said, I want it to be about the shapes and I want it about the mood. And sometimes color can just be distracting and frankly, a bit too pretty. Mm -hmm. The sirens aren't really meant to be pretty. You know, if people want pretty pictures for their wall, they might want to look at something else. Um, fortunately, lots of people seem to want mighty ways for their walls, but um I wouldn't think pretty is the adjective that first comes to mind when you think about them. Yeah. I just absolutely love your work. And I want to make sure that everybody goes and checks out your work. You can find her on Instagram. Just do a search for her name. Where can people find your website and, and workshops that you lead? Yeah, my website's just my name again, racheltalibart.com. The spelling boxes people, but um, I'm sure you'll find me. There are no one else in the world has my name, so that's quite easy to find me. Mm -hmm. There's a link on there to my workshops, and I also I have my own workshops business, which is f11workshops.com, and I also run workshops for Ocean Catcher, which some people may know the owner of that, a very good photographer called Jonathan Critchley. I'm doing residential ones for them as well, so you can find me all over the place. Excellent. And we will make sure to put links in the show notes. If you listen to this in iTunes, there'll be a link in there to her different social media and her website. Thank you so much for coming on, Rachel. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Nick. It was lovely. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again next week. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>